2: Jeff Joniak, the voice of your Chicago Bears. Bears sprint to the line of scrimmage, blitz on as Fields throws right, caught Bayless Jones, turns it up five, into the end zone! Excuse me, Montgomery for the touchdown! David Montgomery in for six, his second touchdown of the day! Second and five of the 33. Blitz on and Fields gonna run up the middle. He'll get near the, let's call it the 34 yard line on a run by Justin Fields. And that is the yard that gets him to 1,000 yards rushing in a single season. He is only the third quarterback in NFL history to accomplish that. Lamar Jackson has done it twice. Michael Vick did it as well in 2006. Congratulations, Justin Fields. Jeff Joniak,
1: you are ridiculous.
3: Molly and Ha, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Dan Wieter are in for Molly today. David Ha here until 10 o'clock. Time now to go out to our guest hotline presented by Signature Bank, the Signature Bank score hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. And that is where we find the voice of the Chicago Bears. He is ridiculous. He is on time as usual. He is Jeff Joniak. Hey, Jeff, good morning.
2: Why wouldn't I be on time? You know, Weeder <laughs> stuck his head in my booth yesterday, otherwise known as the cave, and uh, just barely stuck his head in, and he said he was getting up at 2.30. Was he on time is the question. Well, I think he was exaggerating a tad, but he was definitely early. <laughs> he didn't get up at 2.30. I said 3.40, double okay. I thought you said 2.30. Again, as typical, you and I debate over <laughs> simple things. Well, that is uh, part, of, part of the allure, Jeff. So. Let's good to look. be with you guys. Good to be with you guys. You guys have a good, good holiday, good oh, yeah. Christmas. One hundred percent, very good. All right, let's let's get down to brass tacks. Okay, what do let's we get got? down to business. So, so you are uh,
3: a guy who is ever present at Hallis Hall, and you have a lot of relationships, and everybody is aware of. So I I know you can't probably talk about this in full detail, but I just wonder from your perspective, what was your reaction when the report came out yesterday that Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner was somebody who had interviewed for the job as team president for the Chicago Bears.
2: Yeah, uh, so just to be clear, though, you know, I, I have no insight and had no insight on any of the candidates' names for this particular post. So this was a uh, uh, news to me. And as I dove into it more, I mean, this is a guy that's had great success wherever he's been. And he's got a, so many ties. You kind of check a ton of boxes here, beginning with the fact that he was an agent in the NFL for a time. There was a connection to the Bears with Chris Zorich, which I had no recollection, back in, what, 1992. So there is a relationship there, it appears, of some sort that uh, kind of get this thing rolling in the right direction. And then you look at over the course of his career, 21 years in the National Football League, uh, had a hand in getting the stadium going at US Bank Stadium, which is one of my favorites in the league right now, uh, and then of course at the Big Ten. Uh, in a short time, uh, a big impact here in the end with the, the Pac-12 uh, additions of UCLA and USC and the and the contract for the TV. I mean that's uh, that's a quite the resume uh, for this for this individual. So if in fact he's the top candidate or uh, one of the top candidates, I think it's a, a heck of a heck of a choice right there.
4: Jeff, as an extension of this conversation, at a period in the Bears' history where there is the pursuit of a new stadium in Arlington Heights, where there is an opening for team president with Ted Phillips stepping down at the end of February, where there is a quarterback in place that this city is dreaming the biggest dreams with, how would you describe just sort of the the, the window here in the next five to ten years of of potential and excitement for this franchise?
2: Well, the key, the key. There's two words that pop in my head: sleeping giant. Right? If you get the stadium, I mean, the, the revenue that comes with that is, is significant. Yes, it's going to be very expensive if, in fact, it does uh, rise uh, like a phoenix in, in Arlington Heights. Uh, but uh, yes, the quarterback is significant. You have a foundation that's beginning to be poured here with the general manager, Young, uh, very strong personality there in terms of personnel and what he wants. And he's got a vision. Uh, you got a, court, a coach that has a vision. So, yeah, I mean, these things often, uh, you know, sound good at the beginning and they crumble in the end. But uh, I'm going to stay positive here and, and think this is uh, a lot of things pointing in the right direction.
3: Whether it's Kevin Warren or whoever they hire as team president, Jeff, is it your understanding or belief that the team president affects every other aspect of the day-to-day life of of a football franchise in that I know that there's big picture yeah. implications, and I know it's a big job because of what's ahead in terms of the stadium issues, but do you see that as a role that will affect how people go about their work day?
2: You know, that's a, that's a question I really can't answer uh, to this point. You know, the only thing I could tell you about the organization is that when – Folks are hired in their positions. They're left to do their positions, and their managers are to manage them. And everybody gets to, you know, work in in their expertise, so to speak, uh, without micromanaging. So that that's kind of the deal. And uh, you know, you you trust in somebody that you bring into the position. Well, I don't care what it is, and you let them do their thing until they can't do it anymore. And so that's the only. Um, kind of view i can give you from you know 30,000 feet on what what goes on there at house hall all
4: right double j pop quiz here but it's not really a pop quiz because <laughs> i gave you the question yesterday before i left house <laughs> Hall when i ducked my head into your cave but we've talked about second seasons uh-huh. for head coaches and the last three of them it hasn't been promising matt nagy john fox mark tressman it was a regression those seasons started with great optimism and then they crumbled a little bit and then we traced back to lovey smith who was the last coach to kind of flip things and went from 5 and 11 to 11 5 in his second year and i said Dude, give us some thought overnight and, and and come with your answer in the morning in terms of what it was uh david and i have 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 instated in the, the phrase developing a winning formula uh as a, a roadmap for where this organization could go but what was it about lovey back in the day that allowed that team to flip the script in one year, and not only that, but then sustain it and go to the playoffs two years in a row and then play for a Super Bowl.
2: Well, you know, uh, that's a great way to put it because there was a formula. I mean, I I, I know this. I used to ask him, how many points uh, can can you – Afford to give up to, to win the game. Uh, so he had that number in his mind every week. He just kind of just knew what what needed to be done. So there was a formula and special teams certainly was a big part of it. But, you know, you start with the first practice of 04, Brian Erlacher pops his hamstring and he was not really healthy the rest. That's the first practice of Lovey Smith in 2004. So, you know, Charles Tillman got hurt that year, I believe as well. And then you know you started adding pieces that year. If you recall, was I think uh, the, the last preseason game, Ottawa Agunlier comes aboard mm-hmm. in 2004. So you know Lovey wanted the line of scrimmage uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and you got to remember that's the fifth year uh, you're talking about 2005. Now the fifth year of Jerry Angelo administration, so they, they weren't coming in as new. Right. So there was some trial and error there. So they built up the line of scrimmage, and they'll pro personnel were really big on bringing in free agent offensive linemen. And John Tate started on the right side, moved to the left side. Reuben uh, Reuben Brown came in 2004 as well, and that was a significant addition, and he blended very well with Olin Kreutz. And then you had Fred Miller at right tackle and Terrence Metcalf at right guard. So the offensive line was was set then in 2005. Thomas Jones had a great season. They ran the ball. There was the internal conflict that created some interesting uh, lines, I guess, of demarcation in the locker room with Cedric Benson as a first-round pick in 2005. But it was good energy in the end, and and it got them rolling. Um, and then, you know, Kyle Orton bailed them out. He was yeah. a draft pick that, that needed to save the day because, and I'll never forget it, Jerry Angelo slammed his fist in St. Louis when uh, Rex Grossman got rolled up on and suffered an injury in the preseason, and things didn't look real good. So, you know, line of scrimmage, and then Lovey wanted really very good to star players at almost every key position on that defense. So the common, And ultimately he got it.
3: The common refrain at Hallis this week is unsurprising, but you hear from – Justin Fields, you hear from Matt Eberflus, you hear from players in general about the value that the final two games represent. Now, certainly, draft Knicks will look at that and, and chime in and, and look at uh, obviously what they see the, the football through the prism of, of draft order. What is to be gained for the Bears? in this final two-game stretch here, and specifically, if you're Justin Fields, what are you looking for and hoping to accomplish?
2: Well, first of all, you're not going to sit that guy down. He's not going to want to sit down. That's number one. He's got a competitive fire going, and sometimes you don't see it on his face, but it's there, and everybody tells you that it is there. Internally, they know it. So I'm okay with it. I, You know, the whole draft thing, I, I get it. It's, a, it's it's fun to talk about. Yes, you could potentially get the number one overall pick, and yada, 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 but, but, uh, the failure rate in the first round always gives me pause so I, I take a step back on that uh, I, I talked with Tom about this there about this earlier the week it's just to me it's deposits deposits on your future uh, you know whether it's exercise for yourself here in the new year <laughs> you're depo- you're hoping to extend your life hey this every little experience to me also does matter so I buy in to what Luke Getzy has had to say and I'm glad I'm very fortunate grateful that the head coach believes in this as well uh, because maybe some head coaches would have sat him down for the rest of the year. We'll call it a year and we'll see you next year. Um, yes, now if something hopefully he doesn't but something bad happens and it ruins uh the first uh, three quarters of the next year because he got hurt well you know there's going to be a lot of second guessing going on and i get it but that's football and it can happen in practice let alone games
4: so let's talk a little bit more about justin for a second because we all know how dazzling the highlight reel has been this year we heard the clip at the start of him reaching a thousand yards as a rusher and and putting together some performances this year that have, have opened the doors to people to dream a lot of big dreams i'm curious a part of from the big runs and and the, and the big plays that he's made in that regard. What has been most impressive to you about Justin's season? And that may be approach-driven, whatever, however you want to take that. And, and where would you like to see him make the most growth when we're talking about him a year from now?
2: It's the evolution of the leadership angle and how, how he's been, frankly, at the podium the last three or four weeks. The, the light went on. It's like, he, yep, yeah, this, is, this is my team. This is... My responsibility to get these guys going in the right direction uh i'm the I'm the mouthpiece of this of this football team offensively defensively special teams, and he's owned it up there and he's been more expansive in his answers and he's more relaxed and i i that that's not i think you guys would agree right that that's yeah. a that to me is a big one, but he's talking to his team just like the head coach talks to his team every time he gets up there he's not talking to us. And the fans, he is, but he isn't. He's talking to his team, and that's how that's how it is. And uh, so that part of it, where I'd like to see him, you know, the the things that still hamper him, those short passes, those layup throws, mm-hmm. which you know, clearly in the NFL, nothing's a layup because the other guys get paid too. But and how they're schemed. Those those short passes that can become big plays. Those short passes that can get you out of uh, you know second and 15 after a sack on first down that can get you in a position where you can make a big play on third and six or plus. Uh, those types of things to the sides. Uh, I'd like to see him you know, work the middle of the field more with Cole Komet and uh, have a slot receiver eventually that is somebody he can count on 100% of the time in a key situation when he's going through, you know, his progression and it winds up being the slot to get upfield as quickly as you can, get down and uh, live for another down. Those types of things. Uh, The Valus Jones throw last week, to me, whatever happened the rest of the day was – not important. That, to me, was important. And it, it's not just has to be Bayless Jones. It could be the next receiver that comes in a year from now, or it could be Chase Claypool if he's able to play on Sunday in Detroit or, you know, next Saturday or Sunday against Minnesota. You know, trust your protection. It was max protection. Right. Make a unbelievable throw and have that guy run underneath your pass. You know, but, you know, just down to the safety and over corner. So th- those types of things get you excited.
3: The leadership, Jeff, has been obvious from Justin Fields since he was a college junior in 2020, and he led a player revolt against a Big Ten commissioner who was (laughs) Kevin Warren. Oh,
2: Oh, I forgot about that. Wow. That would be interesting, (laughs) wouldn't it? Awkward. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's a – don't live in the past. I know. It'd be, it's an interesting <laughs> thing to point
3: out, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, well, is, no, that's, inter- that's know, an
2: interesting uh, angle. He, Only you great writers and columnists can think that way. I love that.
3: <laughs> All right, well, that's fun. So, look, looking ahead to the Lions game, Jeff, I think you're going to see a team in Detroit that we – Dan and I have been talking about whether or not they're going to commit to Jared Goff. Could Jared Goff be the bridge guy? And everything about the Lions – This year, But when you look at their sustainability beyond this season, you feel pretty good about it, I think, if you're a Lions fan because of the way they built this team. Is there anything instructive that you would take away from the Lions' experience in clawing back from where they have spent way too long to where they are now that the Bears can learn from?
2: Goes back to the line of scrimmage. Mm Got to have an offensive line. Got to have a defensive line. You're seeing what happens when you don't and you're not sure what you have. Everything else kind of settles in. You fill in the blanks. That, that's, you know, the Jim Fink's way. I still, I still think it's pertinent today. Got to figure that out. It's got to be really good. And they're really good on the offensive line, and they're getting pretty good on the defensive line. They're putting assets in there through their drafts and so forth. So I, I like what they're doing, and they've got, you know, still a lot of draft capital ahead here. And the, the whole Jared Goff thing, you know, I yeah. was not a fan. I was not a fan. But right now, he's turning my head significantly. And it will give them a lot to think about because he's playing outstanding. He hasn't had an interception in seven weeks. He's making big plays. He's going to be at 4,000-plus yards throwing the football. And uh, he's managed to stay healthy uh he's got an offensive line that protects him yeah a lot of great things right there uh with him the the touchdown interception ratio aside yeah uh, he's making big plays well that's what I
4: was going to ask you about because you know you you break down opponents like nobody does and I always enjoy popping my head in and getting some of your insight throughout the week to, to learn more from your studies of the opponent and and Goff is a guy that you talk to people in Detroit and, and in the last eight weeks I think it's 14 touchdowns one interception you, yeah. you, you extrapolate that out over an entire season that's that's MVP caliber stuff, and I don't want to overstate that. But but specifically, what are you seeing from him? Obviously playing behind a, a really good offensive line, but just in terms of the command and the comfort that he's displaying.
2: He's getting rid of it quick. He resets his eyes. He gets going uh, you know, on the play action. He's just quick about it. Everything about it is just quick. He gets... Everything going in the in the right direction. Now your footwork can go south when you get pressure on him, but he hasn't had a ton of pressure, yeah. so that's when he used to shrink and go you know into a shell and not very good. But he's making the big twenty five plus yard plays. He's number two in the league in twenty plus yard passes. He's he's got some weapons obviously, yeah. but you know there's not like a superstar lineup of weapons. When they traded Hawkinson, I thought, what are they doing? Right. But here he's spreading the wealth among three tight ends that I don't think anybody <laughs> can name one of them. Can you? No. See? Yeah. Brock Wright, James Mitchell, Shane Zilstra, who last week had three touchdowns. I mean, Evan Ingram he- I, I,
4: I could name Brock Wright because he scored the 51 yard touchdown that was instrumental yes. in that, in that victory a couple weeks ago but before that I hadn't heard of him but he you know he, he's, he's 15, a blocker
2: yeah he, he's 15 of 19 catching the ball he Mitchells nine of nine tw- yeah. 10 of 12 for Shane zilstra so the, that's that's if you put all that in one tight end that's mega production right there and very accurate so uh, he's been good on third down he's completing 67 percent of his passes on third down he only has two third down interceptions this year Third down and six-plus, they're outstanding. So all the things that, you know, you want to see in the future from uh, the Bears are some of these key situational numbers that are are really impressive right now for Jared Goff. And in his career, you know, the one thing that can really destroy the morale of an offense, and you you lose faith in your quarterback, a couple things are pick sixes and red zone interceptions. And in his career, he only has six red zone interceptions, Mm -hmm. uh, which is – been a career. I mean, that's 98 games. That's pretty good, and seven pick sixes. So, though I don't know, he just he he's impressed me this year, and I ne- I never really bought in to the idea of Jared Goff, but he has uh, he's done very well.
3: Jeff, far be it for me to give you advice on how to improve the <laughs> pregame show, award-winning pregame show, 9 to noon on WBBM, <laughs> but you might want to ask Tom Thayer to expand on his comments that he made right here on the score the other morning about Braxton Jones. I was a little surprised. Tom is not prone to exaggeration or hyperbole. He said Braxton Jones has the ability to be great. I think Braxton Jones has the, has the ability to man a position capably for the next five to seven years. I don't know if I thought of him in those terms until hearing guys like Tom Thayer say what he said in terms of the greatness that could be potentially Braxton Jones's. I Do you look at him... That way, Jeff. Do you? What is Tom seeing that uh, that permits him to to say something like that?
2: I'm never going to arm wrestle with Tom Thayer <laughs> as a, as it regards offensive line and football. So if he sees something, yeah, uh, I'm going with it. Uh, so I can't debate him on that. What I will tell you, and I just I was in the locker room yesterday, and I saw him. He's a very, very mature individual, and unbelievably gracious and a nice guy. And uh, he was in the locker room, and he was, he was talking with a couple of other players, and he was, seemed to be kind of heated about something. You know, they were discussing something. I don't think it was about football, but, and I didn't eavesdrop enough to, to, to know. But he, he just, he, he's got some fire to him, which I really enjoy as well as that nice guy. But he's honest, almost to a fault. He tells you exactly what his weaknesses are. <laughs> he, he puts it in print. He tells you right now. That, you know, he, uh, a bull rush down his chest is trouble, and he's got to be able to, to learn how to stop that. I just think he's been gifted a unique opportunity as a fifth round pick and has played every single snap. The only guy on this team that has played every single snap on the offensive side of the ball and uh, has developed over the course of the season where it hasn't been, oh my gosh, he's given up 15 sacks. You know, there have been some really good offensive linemen in NFL history, high draft picks, that have given up double-digit sacks in their rookie seasons. And you're like, oh, my gosh, did we pick the right guy? Um, he is going to benefit from a, a, an entire off season at Halasaw Hall or wherever he may choose to, to increase his strength in his lower half and to c- continue to refine his technique. But he works at it. He does it every night. He does it every day. He's he knows he's got a unique opportunity here. And uh, I'm not going to, you know, like coaches say, I'm not going to put a ceiling on somebody if they've got the desire and heart to do it. Jeff, you're the best. Happy New Year. All right, Year. boys. Thanks Enjoyed for it. Everything. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Appreciate it. See you in Detroit. Okay, bye. Jeff Joniak, the
3: voice of the Bears, whose pregame show begins 9 o'clock on WBBM, our sister station. And then again, he will do the game with Tom Thayer. And I wasn't disagreeing with Tom Thayer. I just would like to hear him Expand on that opinion because, boy, if said this before, we'll repeat it again. If Braxton Jones can be that kind of a tackle – we talk all the time about rookie quarterbacks or rookie contracts for quarterbacks. If you get a left tackle on his rookie contract, you can yeah. also maximize – his value and worth at that spot.
4: Well, I have two trains of thoughts on this, as you know, and, and the, the one is that if you're three and 12, you're not in a position to turn down an upgrade at any position on your roster. And so the bears have to go into this off season with an exploration that if there is an obvious upgrade at a, a, a team friendly uh, price for them, whether it be the draft or, or in free agency, then, then you look at that and, and, and you bring in competition or you, you bring in a guy that you think can start there. But, if you're able to identify a day 3 draft pick as a guy that can can fill one of the most important roles on your offense and on your team in a way that is not only serviceable but is productive, well now all of a sudden you've got you've bought yourself flexibility to go use resources elsewhere and and to go find other support that Justin Fields needs, that this football team needs. And so you, you, you never turn down a gift like a, a, a day three pick from, from Southern Utah coming in and, and earning a week one starting job and doing pretty well with it during his rookie season. And, and Braxton Jones deserves praise for that.
3: When we come back, I want to ask you if you had to choose which of the two teams playing Sunday at Ford Field, the Bears or the Lions, will have the more the, the most success over the next five years. Ooh. Which team would you choose? Let us know what you think. 644-67-67. Wow. It's Molly and Haw. Daniel Reeder in for Molly. Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy the score.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit
5: ads.odyssey.com. Mully and Ha. longtime listener. Huge fan of the show. On 670 The Score. I I think it's, it's, uh, you know, anytime you face uh, somebody twice, you know, they... They know what they need to improve, um, but you also know, you know that what you did the first time works. But they're looking at that, understanding that, so they know what to attack on both sides of the ball, um, and so there is a bit of a chess game to it. And I...
3: welcome back, it's Mullenhaus, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy, the score. Dan are in for Mully today. That was Dan Campbell, fine head coach of the Detroit Lions. Yeah, fine head coach. Got to give him credit. I didn't think that I'd be sitting here on the last weekday of 2022 and saying fine head coach of the Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell. I thought I might be saying fine head coach who the Detroit Lions just hired. Maybe he would have been a guy at the beginning. After the hard knocks, I think you liked him. (laughs) You were entertained by him. I didn't think they could win with him, and yet they have, Dan. And here they are, 1-6 and start. The Lions are in the hunt for a playoff spot. You have to give credit where it is due. They have, as we had said, got things going in the right direction. I don't know how sustainable it is. So I asked you the other question before the break, yeah. and people want to weigh in: 6767 67. Which team on Sunday could you envision having the most success over the next five years?
4: Well, first of all, in that soundbite, Dan Campbell talked about playing the chess game against the Bears. Wouldn't you like to see him and Matt Eberflus at an actual chess table <laughs> trying to play that game? That'd be good video for HBO yeah, the next time they want to <laughs> shoot something out there. I'll take Flusie. <laughs> But you know, you talk to people in Detroit, David, and they 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 talk about how there's much more substance to Dan Campbell than than maybe some of the short snippets made for TV, made for you know Twitter, whatever it is nowadays. Uh, there is there, and and he he's gotten results out of this team. He's got them pointed in the right direction, and and with Brad Holmes, who's building this roster, they've got a vision for what they want to be. You heard Jeff Joniak in the last segment talk about building from the trenches, and this organization is doing it. To your question, you, you hear me talking slowly around it because it's a hard question and I'm trying to avoid it for as long as possible. But I, I, I think when you look at the rosters, you see the Lions and you go, there's many more foundational pieces here, like guys that are are, are rock solid that you can put in your depth chart for three years down the road and say that guy is going to be good. You start with the offensive line with you know two offensive tackles, Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell, who are first-round picks, who, who, who can play really well. You've got Frank Ragnow in the middle of that line as a pro bowler. Skills, guys. Amonra St. Brown has established himself as a a consistent playmaker. Jamison Williams, promising rookie. Once he gets healthy, could be dominant. I'm going. Yeah. So so Aiden Hutchinson on the defense, right? Jeff Okuda's come into his own a little bit here. You've got, as I mentioned earlier, Lee McNeil, a guy on the defensive line, a draft pick who has become a starter and a contributor. But then it's the magic sauce, and the magic sauce in this league comes from the quarterback. Okay. And if I was picking a quarterback. Between Justin Fields and Jared Goff, I'm not the only one in this city that would go towards Justin Fields 100 times out of 100 despite the production that Jared Goff has had in his career and is having right now in his season because there's just more it factor. There's more wow. There's more high-level ceiling potential stuff with Justin Fields that, that that is so intriguing that you say, man, I, I, I think I might want to get on this ride. It's harder to find. It's harder to find. What you no one knows that more discovered. than Chicago <laughs> exactly,
3: and so that is why the answer has to be a resounding check mark for the bears and i, I and you do it with reservation, but the question is I do it in pencil okay <laughs> well yeah exactly the I think the question's pertinent though because it underscores how many other things the bears need mm-hmm. in addition to the quarterback because of all the things when you started to list the players right you mentioned three offensive linemen, you mentioned two defensive players, you mentioned a wide receiver, and that just tells me it reminds us all how far the bears have to go
4: because they don't really have any of those. By the way, we're talking about the 9 seed in the NFC and the third place team in the NFC North right, right. now, right, in the Lions. And so when you when you when you're comparing those rosters and then you say okay, that that's the 9 seed. You know, that's 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 what we've got to do to to Just to, get to, to the match the 9 you're, seed. You're now start talking about the Super Bowl contenders in the AFC and the NFC and see where you go. I had an interesting discussion with someone in Detroit this week about the Lions approach at quarterback. And it's an interesting one, as we talked about earlier, in terms of their belief that they can get things done with Jared Goff as their quarterback if they surround him in the right way. And the nature of the discussion was they don't think they would be able to take this same approach and the same philosophy if they were an AFC football team. And that's a fascinating discussion to have because if you're in a conference where it's Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, uh, it, it, you know, and and great you point. know Lamar Jackson's over there. And, it's great and, point. And, and, and the landscape in the NFC and the quarterback landscape is much different. You know, we don't know if Tom Brady's ever going to be back to Tom Brady though. Well, we don't know what the future holds for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. You look at the Pro Bowl quarterbacks this year, and it's Jalen Hurts having a great year, and then it's Geno Smith and Kirk Cousins. And so there's an opening in the NFC to make up ground quicker because you're not fighting the same battle that you would be if you're playing in one of those divisions or playing in a conference with with those those star established star quarterbacks like those guys
3: are. Eight four seven Texan. It's a tough discussion. You Justin to. Herbert. I forgot Justin Herbert. He's pretty good says a 847, you have to acknowledge the Lions have had top 10 and top five picks to stack talent for numerous years. <laughs> exactly. That is the point. <laughs> that is the point. They bottomed out to the point where now they're in, in the conversation for a team that's in the hunt, as they say. Mm-hmm. So the Bears, after bottoming out this year, if you think that they have reached rock
4: bottom, I'm not so sure. I, they, they I don't may, know. They may have, but rock bottom is a long way but, from the mountaintop.
3: The, the Lions needed to fail consistently before they got to the point where the roster was replenished with draft picks that were high enough to make that happen. Also,
4: let's not lose sight of the fact that Ryan Pace had four consecutive picks in the top 10 not that long ago. The Bears were picking in the top 10, 2015, 16, 17, and 18, and they went Kevin White and Leonard Floyd and Mitch Trubisky, and then they finally hit on one in Roquan Smith, and before they got to his second contract, he was traded, and he's playing in Baltimore and headed uh, oh. to the Pro Bowl.
3: Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That's where we find Frank who is in Lombard. Good morning, Frank. Welcome to the Moline Haw Show.
6: Good morning. Happy New Year to you both. Um, so being a lifelong Bear fan, I'm old enough to remember 85. Um, but my whole life being a Bear fan, I've never been so torn with emotions. So I'm so excited about the growth and the future with Justin Fields, but then I look how much help, like you guys just said, we truly need it. Yeah. Okay? You know, for years it was all we have to worry about is Green Bay. Well, now it's Minnesota, not saying they're going to be as hot next year, maybe even Detroit. And then when you look for the one limelight that we have in Justin Fields, other than that, we are, like, just so far behind every other Okay. And it's just, it is. It's like, I can't believe there's excitement in losing. I never (laughs) thought I would say that, especially as a Bear fan. But the enjoyment and the excitement that Justin Fields brings to a team and the possibility, you have a glimmer of hope.
3: Hmm. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate the phone call. It's kind of like that New Year's Eve party (laughs) that (laughs) Uh is just a total downer as you look back at what lousy of how lousy the year was and nobody's quite drinking yet. And the music is bad and the conversation is dull. And, but then it's like, when you look ahead, it's, it's 2023. Oh my gosh. The fast year was so bad, but now there's so much possibility now. Yeah, and It's very, it's a series of mixed emotions and being a Bears fan, I think has been very conflicting this year because I think if the next question that you ask big picture and I almost dread addressing this in the Take the North podcast every day next week and maybe <laughs> the week to follow but has this Bears year been a success? Oh my gosh, Dan. They could set a record for losses in a season and you're going to have some people who are going to swear by the fact that yes, indeed, this has been a
4: success. They could lose their ninth consecutive game on Sunday. <clears throat> Excuse me, which would be The longest losing skid in the history of the franchise, which, by the way, is 103 years old. How is that successful? It's successful because in the nuance of the conversation, the young quarterback that you traded up to get with the previous regime has shown enough flashes and enough potential to allow you to open up the door to dream. Now, we used the words imagination earlier in the week to describe what Bears fans are being fueled by. And right now they're being fueled by... The imagination that Justin Fields playmaking ability is unlocked. But let me, let me say this because I thought Frank's call was poignant and I, and I appreciate Frank expressing his sentiments because I understand the conflict that he's going through. And I understand kind of the big picture lens. He's able to see this through, because I think what you and I have been trying to do for the better part of two, three months now is understand that we can have a conversation about the quarterback and it can be um, really deep and detailed and, and informed and all those things that go along with, 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 performing a a critical analysis of the quarterback while also acknowledging that there's a lot that goes along with the quarterback that creates successful football in the National Football League. And Frank seems to have a grasp of that and an understanding that, oh, no, which is one of the things that that, that I've kind of warned about is you don't want to be in a position where your quarterback opens a window of opportunity for you. And you are so unstable around him yes. that it closes shut I on know. you. And you look back. like I, I mean, honestly, I go back to, to the summer of 2019 so many times in my mind in thinking about the way Chicago was dreaming of this magical 100th season and what that team coming off of 2018 was capable of doing, not only in 2019, but in 20 in 21, and 21 and 22. Who was that quarterback? Mitch Trubisky. He was going to be the best one ever, wasn't he? Well, according to some... According to some headlines I read this week, now who's
3: it going to be the next best quarterback Justin ever? Justin Fields. Okay.
4: But also, like, like, right, like, and that's the point, is life comes at you fast in this league, and if you're not prepared... It doesn't wait around for you to do it on your timeline. There are moments that open up, and the Bears had a Super Bowl-caliber defense that was capable of, of, of potentially winning for them in 18, potentially winning for them in 19, and if they were able to, to, to make some more shrewd moves, they could have sustained it for a long time to come. And it all came unraveled, and then they blew the whole thing up, and no one's here anymore. Right, you, you're just like DeAndre there. Houston, Carson, and Patrick Scales, and and Cody Whitehair, and it's like the, that's the, the you extent. Open and up Eddie the Jackson,
3: and you've got some stale chips. That's all <laughs> you got, and maybe a maybe a jar of peanuts, but nothing else is in the pantry. It, the cupboard is bare. You're you right.
4: said, you said at, peanuts, right?
3: Yes, I did. Thank <laughs> you, Matt Nagy. But I don't know. It's it's remarkable how you could look at this and think, well, I, I know how I know why people are doing this. So, like, they're excited, but but Dan. Look at the talent they have let get away in the last year. Look at the talent that is no longer there. Look at the talent that is going to be playing, starting, and being relied upon Sunday to make big plays in games that don't matter, but in games anyway.
4: Are you a Seinfeld guy? Yes. You, you know the episode where Jerry goes to get his rental car and they don't have it, you know, and he's, anybody can just take the reservations. The key is keeping the reservations. Yes. I, I apply that to the idea of, like, you and I could have gone into House Hall this year and torn down the roster. Thank you. Anyone can tear down the roster. I could have chipped Khalil Mack somewhere. I could have sent Robert Quinn somewhere. I could have got rid of Roquan Smith. The the, the, the challenge is in rebuilding it, and, and Ryan Poles is going to get his swing at that, and he's going to get his swing at that with a lot to work with, and he's going to have to try to connect. In
3: a lot of facets. And in the Seinfeld context, you cannot just yada, 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 <laughs>
4: franchise-long losing streak. Or 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 not only a franchise-long losing streak, 30 years of, of institutional failure. Uh, that's, right? be, because that's Kevin Warren's problem. That, right, right. It might, it might be. And, and and so, honestly, like the last point on this is I had to do a, a piece this week for ChicagoTribute.com about the the 10 most significant dates in the calendar year of 2022 for the Chicago Bears, and you look back 365 days, you know, they were still employing Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace at this time last year. Those firings were made, and this fan base was on their last nerve, right? Like, if you go back to the conversations you were having people with people in, in the first week of January 2022, it was like, I'm done with this franchise I'm tired of, of going through this frustration. I need to see it to believe it. Please show me. And then Justin Fields made like six or seven highlight runs and made a handful of, of, of touchdown passes and everybody forgave everything. And my point is like, don't lose that energy, right? Like, keep the urgency. Keep the pressure on this organization to make sure that they don't squander this golden opportunity that they have in front of them and make sure that you view it through a lens of understanding how hard it is to succeed in this league and how many things need to go right for you to even enjoy this. Listen, Sundays have been more enjoyable this year. You would agree with that. Watching Justin Fields play has been, has been an absolute treat, but you're about to lose your 13th and maybe your 14th game before we close the books on this season.
3: He is Danny Downer. He is in for Mulley today. I mean, Dan Weaver. <laughs> And we are Mully and Haw, and we'll come back and continue this conversation. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
5: Mully and Haw, longtime listener, huge fan of the show, on 670 The Score. Welcome
3: back. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Dan Weeder is in for Mully today. We're talking Bears and Lions. We're talking about Kevin Warren being interviewed for the Bears Presidents. Job, we'll talk about whatever you want. 312. 644-67-67, but the question was about which team is headed for more success over the next five years, the Bears or the Lions, getting some good responses via text and the phone. Uh, Detroit will never be a Super Bowl threat with Jared Goff. 847 chimes in. You have uh, other 708. The Bears had a chance to hire generational talents. I don't know about Joe Shane being a generational talent and Brian Dable, and instead they chose to stay bottom feeders and hire more clowns uh, to stay at the bottom. That's a totally unfair text in my view. I don't know, Dan, and correct me if I'm wrong, if or an opinion isn't wrong, but if you disagree with this, I don't think that this season has been uh, – has revealed that Matt Eberflus isn't the right guy for right. this job. I actually have liked a lot about the, what I've heard, what I have observed, and the fact that when you ta- hear from his players – this is a team that has been dissension free in spite of the historically bad stretch that they find themselves in.
4: There are a lot of things I like about Matt Eberflus's leadership style. A lot of things I like about the foundation he's tried to establish here in 2022. I don't have enough information to know how good of a football coach he is. And that's one of those huge questions that as we go into 2023 where we just haven't had... The situations, the talent, the the games to to test that, and and he's going to be tested in the future, and we're going to get a more informed view of who he is as a head coach. I will say this: that Matt has a, a a preparation intensity about him that is really impressive. He understands each week. You heard Richard Hightower on Thursday morning at House Hall just talk about how last week at the start of the week he was understanding that there was going to be extreme weather factoring into the Bears game the following Saturday. And he made it a a point with his coaches from the outset of the week, make sure players understand that this is going to be something we have to deal with. It wasn't to add some sort of psychological hurdle that they had to clear. It was just, let me give them every piece of information I possibly can. And that comes from more than just game plans and scouting reports and X's and O's and and stuff that you're installing for that week's game plan. It comes from preparing them for those types of issues. And, and, And Richard Hightower attributed that for some of the special team success they had you know, and it's the little things. It's those little things that, that Dan Campbell talks about in Detroit, those little details that flip a game at times. Coachy stuff. Eventually you gotta Very win. Eventually stuff. you gotta win. I gave you a riddle earlier about Justin Fields uh starting in the new stadium in two thousand twenty seven, which is my projected opening date, by the way. Not breaking news, just projecting an opening date. Somebody else asked me recently, will Matt Eberflus ever coach a game for the Chicago Bears above five hundred again? Well,
3: that's a fair question, given the state of head coaching. He's nine, he's nine games in under in the NFL. Right he's nine games under. And will he ever get over? That's a. I would definitely take the odds on him not doing that right now. It's only, crazy to think about, isn't only it? Because it's not fair to him necessarily, but how far away are they from the playoffs, and how many years will they give him to get there? So, and once he gets there, even though you get there, you're not going to be able to overcome all of those losses that put you. Statistically, it's a challenge. It is huge challenge. Let's go back out to the score listener line, powered by Beck QL. John is in the northwest suburbs. John, welcome to the Mullen Haw Show.
5: Good morning, gentlemen. Um, uh, I just wanted to first uh, state that uh, you know I'm part of the Saturday crew, so I need your guys' help to bring me down to earth if this scenario is not feasible. But I'm, this is all based on the Bears having the number one pick. Uh, with the three teams behind them at number five, they're probably going to have Indianapolis. And we know Jim Ursay, the, the experiment they've had with you know, revolving door of uh, veteran quarterbacks not working, there's a potential there for a big grab of Jim Ursay jumping over the Texans to grab the number one quarterback that they deem in the draft. Now the Bears are sitting at five. The teams behind them now, you have got three teams right behind them that also need quarterback, and two of them are in the same division. I really think that, and I've always been. This has always been my fantasy with Bears GMs is to trade back, trade back, and accumulate more picks. And it just didn't happen with the previous regime. They kept trading up and giving up their draft picks. But I seriously think that this is a potential for the Bears to make that one pick into four to seven picks if the cards line up correctly for them. And 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 Ryan Pole's place is. Uh, cards correctly. Wow, that's
3: that's a lot that's a lot of picks to accumulate, John. Thanks for the phone call. I think that might be overly ambitious for one draft and one pick.
4: Look, like you see halls, you see draft halls that that occur when a team is picking up that high and somebody gets desperate enough to come up and get the quarterback that they desperately need. The Bears picked at 3 one year and traded away a surplus of draft picks so they could move up one slot they go? to take Mitch Trubisky. Oh. It didn't work out, and the 49ers actually didn't turn it into a ton. I think they they ended up getting Uh, fred warner as part of the the allotment of picks and and ultimately when you accumulate more picks well now you can potentially trade back again and accumulate more from there or 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 work your way around the draft board in in whatever way makes sense listen i'm all for the idea that that if you don't see a six-time all pro sitting there at number two that you want to have be a foundational engine of what you're trying to build as a championship team, then go ahead, trade back, a, a, and add as many players as you can and hope you hit a for a high average in that. To get, But ultimately, it comes down to having guys that make plays, guys that take the ball away, guys that put the ball in the end zone, guys that put quarterbacks on their back.
3: Yeah, and this conversation is going to be one that goes on until uh, the Bears <laughs> are on the clock in April. And we talked about this on the Take the North podcast, which, by the way, just dropped this morning. There's a difference between one versus two if you're drafting. And my view is that if you're drafting number one, you hold an auction and you do move back. You do move back because you can take advantage of the teams desperate for a quarterback, maybe like the Colts, maybe like the Raiders, maybe like whoever it may be. But if you are drafting number one overall, you hold an auction. If you're drafting second overall, it changes your thought process, if you're Ryan Poles, in my opinion, because then – I don't think you're compelled to pass on a player that could be at the center of everything for the next five to seven to ten years. And you,
4: you need to identify that guy, though, and you need to be well, really you have to sure be right about, it. about that guy. You have to be right but about that. if You have that.
3: more than one guy that you're choosing from, then I think you, you're more inclined to take one of them. So either it's in this case potentially Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Bama, or Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia. If one of those two, and they both will will likely be available at number two and that is where you are i would be resistant right now as we sit here on december 30th 2022 i would resist the idea of trading down i would want to take the guy that i can count on and plug in for the next five to seven years
4: you hope you're right again you You go always hope you're right we did you've got
3: the job because
4: you're general manager and you think you're gonna be right right but we went through some of this on the Take the North podcast at, at, at the success rates of, of of getting hits, even in the top three of the draft. And the Bears know as well as anybody yeah. that, that you don't always get a hit I there. I, I'm just going to throw out a few names off oh. the top of my head. Sam Darnold, Solomon Thomas, uh, Zach Wilson, Marcus Mariota, Greg Robinson, Luke Jokel, Jason Smith, Robert Gallery, Charles Rogers, Joey Harrington. Make them stop, Bob! Marcel Darius, you know, you know. Stop. Uh, Blake Bortles, Deion Jordan, Trent Richardson. You know, the, the draft history is littered with with players that were chosen in the top three that seemed like surefire long-term difference makers at their position that, that turn out to be nobodies. And it, it's littered with guys like, you know, and Dominick Sue and Von Miller and Calvin Johnson and Andre Johnson and Joe Thomas. And Matt Ryan, guys that can be all pros and MVPs like for you. Oh, I like those names. Oh, I like those All right. right. Like, so you, it, it's just, okay. it, all right. W- w- you, it's like a roulette wheel, right? Where, yes, where, are you, where are you putting it?
3: I don't know, but it's fun to talk about. And we will talk about that and some more stuff. I want to discuss as well why Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, might be looking for a job, might be available to take the Bears president's job, and why he might want to leave a job that, for, to me, from the outside Looks like the ideal one for anybody that loves college sports. Dan Reader in for Mully. It's Mully and ha, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month.
1: New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.